Alright guys, welcome back to Cage Draft Room. I'm here with my co-host David Rodriguez for today. Uh, we got a couple good good things to talk about and we're going to jump into my top five per position. Uh, this is coming from, uh, a little bit's coming from my top 50 prospects, but for the most part it's a little shaken up since I, since I wrote that. Uh, but you good with going ahead and jump on into that? Let's do it. All right, we're just going to ease on into the quarterbacks. Uh, I'm just going to I'm going to list these off, and then we'll pick them apart in a second. Uh, first, we have Caleb Williams from USC, Drake May from North Carolina, Jaden Daniels from LSU, and Bo Nix from Oregon. And then fifth, JJ McCarthy from Michigan. I like that. Um, I think Caleb Williams is creating a tier of his own at this point, and I think he's filling the gap between him and May. Yeah, Caleb Williams is a special talent. And then I think at two, we have Drake May, right? Uh, I think Drake May is closer to Caleb Williams than he is to Jaden Daniels, who's just sitting at three. Uh, you're gonna see you're gonna see Daniels at two on some some boards. Uh, I'm not I'm not going in that direction. I'm not sold on him as a passer. Uh, he kind of reminds me of RG three. RG three in his in his straight line speed, but RG three didn't have that. That kind of second level, embarrassed defense type, like Lamar yeah. Jackson does. You know, some people say about Jaden Daniels. I mean, he has two round first rounders as receivers. So the question for him, in my opinion, would be, who's the one who, in that exchange, is putting out more for the other? If that makes sense. So it's Malik Neighbors. <clears throat> right. Is his success coming from Daniels, right. or is it the opposite way around? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't have to lean towards his success coming from his two receivers. I Correct. Mean, I mean, it's hard not to. Right. If you switch out Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors with some average college receivers, I don't think Daniels where he is talked about in the top three. I don't think he's winning a Heisman. Yeah. Uh, but moving on past Daniels at three, we have Bo Nix at four. Um, I think him and Daniels are actually really close. They were 24 and 25 on my top 50. So they were right there. Um, and the thing about Bo Nix is that I think you know what you're getting when you draft him. Uh, I think he has a high floor, but he needs to go to the right system. He's, you're, he's not going to be your game changer like Mahomes. And that's not what right. you're going to ask him to do. Um, he's going to live in the short range throws to intermediate, the medium range, just like someone like Drew Brees did his entire career. And that's why I said I think New Orleans would be a good fit for him. Uh, you're not going to ask Bo Nix to take deep shots down the field throughout the game. And so I think that's a good place for him to fall. It might be too high at 14. That might be higher than we're going to see him go. But I think it would be a good fit for him. Right. And then Bo Nix is also one of those guys, you know, who comes in day one starter. I think he had five years as a starter for Oregon. Is that correct? He had the most college career starts of anyone ever, so... So he, he he shows promise in that, as in experience-wise. And, you know, obviously he became a leader throughout those years, and he's one of those guys you can plug in and not really have any worries, I guess you could say, with him starting with experience-wise. Yeah, and his, his struggles at Auburn before he transferred over to Oregon scare a lot of people, but he's gotten better every year of his career, so I'm not concerned as much with that. I think he's going to continue to develop, but I don't think he has as high a ceiling as some of these other guys. I think you know exactly what you're getting when you draft him. Right, it's a safe okay pick, I yeah. feel like. Uh, and then coming in at five, J.J. McCarthy. I think he's a little bit of a confusing prospect so far. Um, <coughs> some teams have him over Knicks uh, and Penix, and all others have him at the bottom of those three guys. So he ranges anywhere from, I would say, three to six in the class. Uh, there are teams, apparently, that have him as the number two in the entire class. I saw that. Uh, which I think is, is crazy, but but maybe we'll see that on draft night. Maybe he'll go crazy high, like top ten crazy high. Yeah, I'm interested to see where J.J. McCarthy goes. I'm a big fan of J.J., so I'd love to see him go high in the draft and be successful. Yeah, you're going to see those bottom three guys, which are J.J., Bo and Michael Penix, all in different orders. I think you're just going to be able to shake them up and they're going to be in different orders depending on which team you ask. 
Uh, I think Williams is setting himself apart. I think he's number one on everyone's board. And I think right. May and Daniels will be flipped on a lot of teams' boards, also depending on who you ask. All right, moving right along to the running backs. Uh, this, is a, this is a different kind of class than usual. I think you could take the top six to eight guys and put them in a the jar and shake them up and fill their order that way, and you, you can complain. These top six through eight guys are all interchangeable. You're going to see all these guys as the top back yeah. across multiple boards. Uh, but for me, I have – first, I want to start by saying none of these guys are first-rounders. I don't have a first-round grade on any running back. Um, I, I think the run starts probably around the end of the second, maybe the beginning of the third round. Okay. But like I said, there's six through eight guys I gave almost identical grades to, uh, and here they are. Uh, Trey Benson from Florida State, Jonathan Brooks from Texas, Braylon Allen from Wisconsin, Bucky Irving from Oregon, Ray Davis from Kentucky, Jalen Wright from Tennessee, Audric Estime from Notre Dame, Marshawn Lloyd from USC, and Blake Quorum from Michigan. Blake Quorum scares me a little bit. He got a little tread, too much tread on his tires. Right. I heard he uh, got a big injury in uh, 2022 with that knee. Yeah, injury passed. Um, but all these guys have their own weaknesses. Uh, what puts Trey Benson at the top for me is his contact balance. Reminds me of like someone like Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying he's a player like Alvin Kamara, just his contact balance is there like that. Uh, Jonathan Brooks ACL tear worries me a little bit. Yeah, that that one's interesting to me because in my opinion, if it wasn't for that ACL tear, I feel like he's cra- he's cracking top three with ease. In my opinion, I think Jonathan Brooks is a special talent, but that ACL injury set him back quite a bit. I was really surprised to see him um, declare for the draft instead of sticking it out. So yeah. no, I expected him to stay for another year, uh, prove some more. But nonetheless, he is. Probably the consensus one on most boards you're going to look at. Yeah. Uh, and then next, Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen lacks that, that burst that you're looking for from a running back. Right. Uh, he's not able to hit those holes with that with that juice yet. Uh, good showing at his combine and pro day will be good for him. But, dude, he is huge. But he's, he's a big two, dude, yeah. 245 with 4-4 speed. And then on the opposite of that, we have Bucky Irving, who's kind of the opposite of Braylon Allen. He, he does have that burst. Yeah, uh, he should test well. He run well, run well at the combine. I'm um, excited to see him. Uh, and then he was productive at Oregon, so there's not much you can. Some people say he can make players miss in a phone booth. Yeah, he's that kind of player. If you're gonna pick a guy on here to, that would fit that kind of role, uh, I think Bucky Irving's your guy. And then at fifth, Ray Davis can, from Kentucky. He's, I would say probably, if not, he's one of if not the best receiving back out of this class. Yeah. So he's a guy you can give the ball to, and he can make something happen. Let me ask you this, and this is a question. It's kind of regarding this. When drafting a running back, um, obviously their first and sole role is to run the ball. Right. How much of receiving comes into play when you're scouting running backs in that whole process of do we want mainly just a running back or do we want mainly just a receiving back, or do we want both of them? So how much play of receiving? Say you had a guy mm-hmm. who's outstanding with the ball in his hands, but he doesn't have a great route tree. Uh, say he's lazy with his routes. Uh, say inconsistent hands. How much does that affect him? Uh, I like it receiving as like a bonus. So if, if a guy is good with the ball in his hands, he can hit the holes effectively, he has good burst, and he's good running the ball, I just add it on as a bonus if he can receive. Okay. It also depends on what what the team's looking for. Right. If you're a team that wants to be able to throw it out to your running back, then, you know, Ray Davis might be your guy. Right. Uh, but I wouldn't knock him too far for it. I mean, it's a little concerning if he can't catch. That's a whole different aspect. Yeah. Uh, but if he just <clears throat> isn't as good in his routes, um, he just lacks that receiving ability that some will have. Uh, I don't knock him too much for it, but, I mean, it's not – it's obvious not anything added. Correct. It's just kind of a bonus if you can. Right. Um, and then, so moving on to number number six, I have Jalen Wright from Tennessee. Uh, this dude averaged about seven yards a carry, and he is he is explosive. He's one of your top guys, and nobody's really talking about him. And he played behind. He played as the second string most of the year. He played behind Jabari Small, who I don't think is near as good, uh, but. Jalen Wright had, is, is going to have a good 
a good testing season. So I would be on the lookout for him. Uh, and then seven, seven through nine, I feel like are kind of a tier below those guys a little bit. Okay. Uh, Audrey Estime from Notre Dame. Uh, he can he can do he can do it all. He's he's a good balance back as well as Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, I think Marshawn Lloyd is probably better than Audric, in my opinion. He's, I think Marshawn's another underrated back. No one's talking about. Yeah. And then like I said, Blake Corn from Michigan. He's a lot of tread on his tires. Injury history is worrying, and his size. He's five yeah. eight. Uh, you always got to take that into consideration. Yeah. Uh, but I think like I said, all those top guys you can shake around and. And let them loose, and there's not going to be much complaining. I, you're going to see Bucky Irving as guys one. You're going to see Marshawn Lloyd as guys number one. You're going to see Brooks. You're going to see Benson. You're going to see Allen. Um, all the guys have a weakness. I wouldn't feel comfortable taking any of them in the first or the second round. I would wait till the third if I were a team. Yeah. That's just that's just how I would play it. And then also you have to look at age. Um, Braylon Allen being one of the youngest in this draft class. Yeah, I mean, um, what is he nineteen? I think he's twenty. Just turned twenty. Said twenty. So, my question is, how much do you look for in age? But also, so Braylon Allen, um, I think he got insane amounts of playing time all three seasons. So it's not like I mean he's young. Yeah. But like you said earlier, it's not like he doesn't have tread on his tires. So how much does age play a factor? with running backs and how much does again like you said tread on the tires for running backs uh, for running backs so I think running backs are one of the more replaceable positions so when I'm looking at age I don't I don't put a heavy amount of consideration on that because I think you're getting five four or five years out of a good running back yeah regardless of their age okay so I think if you draft a dude who's 22 and you get four years out of him uh, I don't think 22 to 26 is going to change much as it is regardless of the age. So right. all these guys, I think, have about four or five years. I think guys like Christian McCaffrey are the exception to that rule. Yeah. But normally there are elite top running backs that stay elite for more than five years. Right. So I don't take age into consideration. People, Some people do. Uh, I personally don't just because I think – just because of how the running back positions played out. Okay. Uh, but another thing is, when like let's say you're sitting at a team that needs a running back. That's like the final piece to your puzzle. Right. I always say that you don't draft a running back if you're going to waste his carries. A good example of that is like Saquon. Saquon okay. only has a few elite years, and the Giants wasted his carries. Uh, the Panthers almost did that to McCaffrey, but he's obviously doing well in San Francisco. I don't think you draft a running back if you need other positions. I think you drop a running back in when it's the final piece of your puzzle so you're not wasting any of his carries. Because he only has a certain amount. Like I said, like four to five years. Right. So if I'm a team that needs a, needs a running back, and there's these top nine guys that are all interchangeable to me that I have similar grades on, I'm not going to be the first to pick one. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to let whatever falls to me fall to me. Right? So I'm not going to go up to my second round pick, if it's an early second round pick, and take one of these guys when I think I could have waited till the fourth round to draft Marshawn Lloyd, who I think is just as good as the guy I drafted in the second round. So right. I think that these teams are going to be a little scared to be first in line for the running backs. And I think the running back run will start around the beginning of the third. Uh, but I think once one of them go, they'll fall. The rest will fall like, like dominoes. So. Okay. Uh, that's how I think the running backs are going to shape up. Uh, moving on to the receiver class. It's a good one this year. It's a good class this year, yeah. Um, I got about seven or eight guys I would give first-round grades on, or I'd be hesitant to give first-round grades on. I mean, they're pushing that first-round area. Um, but I think that there are there are tiers to this, right? Um, so let's, <coughs> let's just jump into that. I'm going to rattle the top. Let's see. I'm, I'm right off eight for you. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State, Malik Neighbors from LSU, Roma Dunsey from Washington, Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, uh, Keon Coleman from Florida State, Ladd McConkey from Georgia, Adonai Mitchell from Texas, and Devontae Walker from North Carolina. The last four that I gave you, Walker, Mitchell, McConkey, and Coleman, again, interchangeable. I think you can okay. check those up in any order. The first four, I think, are set like that. 
but the last four I think you can shake up. So let me ask you this. As I put, I try to put, you know, when you're looking at the draft, tiers. Yeah. Obviously you have Williams in a tier of his own above May and those guys, right? Right. So what is that looking like with the receivers? Is Marvin Harrison Jr. in a, in his own tier? Um, are the top three in their own tier? Just kind of give me a layout of tier-wise, would you yeah. say? Okay. Uh, if you look if you look at draft boards from across sites and you know TV shows, whatever right. talk shows, you're going to see Marvin Harrison Jr. in his great in a tier of his own. Right. You might also see Rome with Harrison up there at his own tier. Okay. I'm going to put Neighbors and Harrison in the same tier. I have Neighbors as my number two prospect overall, Harrison being number one. But I have nearly identical grades on the two. Okay. So I'm putting them in the same tier. Um, if you follow my Instagram, you know that I'm high on Neighbors this year. Uh, but after that tier, I would put Odunzi in his own tier. Okay. And then I'll put Brian Thomas a tier after that. And then the last four, like I said, are in, uh, interchangeable. Interchangeable, their own tier. Um, but all these guys, I think, offer a different skill set. Um, the reason that I'm edging Marvin Harrison Jr. over Neighbors is is size. He's 6'4". Yeah. Neighbors is 6'4". He's a big foot. guy. Wide um, frame. I don't think either of them have many weaknesses. I think Neighbors' biggest weakness is that he catches with his chest. But he had two drops his entire college season. That's impressive. And so I don't think that that's much of an issue. I mean, if he had more, then we could we could sit here and be concerned about that. Now let me ask you about, because I don't think I heard this guy in those eight, Troy Franklin out of Oregon. Yeah. Give me your thoughts on him. Uh, I'm a little conflicted on Troy Franklin. I think it'll depend on his his testing. I think he'll he'll run he'll run really well. Okay. Uh, I think four threes is for him, where he's going to run. But I think he's your your typical vertical guy that comes in every year of the draft. Last year it being like Jalen Hyatt. Right. Uh, prior years before that, Will Fuller is the kind of guy. Right. Uh, something like that. Um, and so we usually don't see those guys. I don't value those guys that high, right? Right, because Jalen Hyatt with the Giants. I mean, he doesn't come in and he doesn't, you know, change the affect game, yeah. their playbook. And he's not in the game just like that. He's one of those guys when you need a deep ball. Yeah, you know. I mean, you can also say that Jalen Hyatt had problems with the quarterback and he didn't really get a correct shot. But but deep threats, you're not throwing the ball deep every play. Right. He's not one of those guys that's gonna. It's not a Zay Flowers. You're not gonna. You know. I don't think Franklin's gonna come in and have a full route tree and be right in and out of those short range throws. Right. So that's the only, th I would probably have him right after these guys. Okay. Uh, Devontae Walker, I mentioned, uh, I would probably have him at five. I think I did before, but he had a bad senior bowl. There were multiple throws, uh, that they just threw it up deep to him and he just couldn't get both hands around. He tried to one hand it multiple times. Okay. Uh, if he can get his hands around more efficiently then he could be up there. Uh, Keon Coleman's your guy for 50-50 balls. You want to throw it up to him, he's your guy that can go and get it. Uh, and uh, what's your thoughts? If I had to say, give me the top three, because, you know, you could a wide receiver doesn't have to be insanely athletic, right? You know, yeah. he can have an insane route tree and have hands. Um, Keon Coleman is one of those guys that I look at with insane athleticism. Yeah, so no, he's, give he's me top sure. Just say it's your top three, athleticism-wise, wide receivers in the draft. Uh, I think you have to go Marvin Harrison. Okay. He has that, obviously, the bloodline. He has everything you need. Uh, I would put Keon Coleman in there as one okay. of my top athletic guys. Uh, and then I think for that third slot, uh, it's Neighbors and Odunzi. I think they're both really athletic. But if you want to get a little a, a sleeper kind of guy uh, – Abdon Mitchell from Texas. Okay. Um, he can. He has all the tools he needs to. Uh, he can adjust for the catch really well. Uh, he has a good route tree. Uh, all the like all the like I said all the tools. Right, and um, we have some we have some pretty big guys in this draft. The guy you just said, Mitchell, he's six four. Yeah. Um, Coleman six four. Harrison six four. How much does Johnny Wilson six seven? Right. That's that's eight. insane. So yeah. how much? Does size play a factor when it comes to drafting your wide receiver? And say, Marvin Harrison was six foot one. How much yeah. would that affect? Uh, I think 
I look at size, and I play a factor <clears throat> depending on the size to speed ratio. So, if Marvin Harrison Jr. was six four, but he ran a four five, yeah, I mean, I would rather him be quicker than than he is tall. Okay, right. But he's he's running a four three, and he's six four. So right. I mean, we don't hear about that often. Uh, but if you're like the the worst of both worlds is if you're short and slow. Um, it's just all about the size to speed ratio, right? Yeah. If you have a good one, then I'm, I'm on board with it. Uh, and then the last guy I had on that list that we haven't really discussed much is Lad McConkey. Uh, Lad McConkey is, he had a great senior bowl. He was out there every day. Uh, he, I mean, he beat everyone in one-on-ones, every corner in this class. Yeah. That was at the senior bowl. Uh, he has really clean routes. Um, he's able to work the zones. Uh, and I think he'll be a... I mean, I think he's rising right now, but if he tests well and runs well, uh, I think he could be in that top five for sure. Okay. Uh, but that's all I got for receivers. Uh, moving on to tight ends. Let's do it. Uh, this tight end class is not near as good as last year. It's kind of a weak class, with the exception of Brock Bowers, of course. Right. Uh, Bowers was my sixth prospect overall, I believe. Um so, right, generational talent there. Uh, but, yeah, first I have Brock Bowers from Georgia, and then I think there's a huge gap. Between, um, so, yeah, let me ask, who do you have second? I have Jatavian Sanders from Texas. Okay. Uh, he's one of the more athletic ones in this group. Uh, and then three, Eric All from Iowa. You're not going to see him as high. Yeah. I have him a little higher than most people, but you can't go wrong with Iowa tight ends. Um so it's hard to put an Iowa tight end down. Uh, four is Cade Stover from Ohio State. Five, Ben Sinnott, Ben Sino from Kansas State. Six, six and seven, uh, Bryson Nesbitt from North Carolina and Dallin Holker from Colorado State are guys to watch for. But I think those top five are, are pretty much set. Um, so is Brock Bowers, we talk about tiers a lot. Is he in a tier of his own? Uh, I think he's in a tier of his own, and I think there's a tier with no one in it, and I think Sanders is in there. Okay. I think there's a I mean, huge, huge gap. gap. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not as sold on the rest of these tight ends in this group as you may see some people, uh, but like I said, an Iowa tight end jumps out at me immediately, no matter who, what class it's from. Right. Guys like George Kittle, Hawkinson, Laporta. I mean, I, it seems like they just never fail. So. Yeah, they're producing in Iowa. Um, Iowa is a good store to shop from if you need a tight end. Uh, and then Cade Stover at four. This is the guy that wanted his NIL money in tractors. Tractors. So That's he, how you know you got a... He's a farm guy. A dude. Um, yeah, he wanted his all his NIL money in tractors. Uh, so he's been at Ohio State for a while. I think he's, uh, I think he's older than some of the guys in this class. Uh, and then Ben Sennett. Ben Sano, however you say it, from Kansas State. Uh, he's a good he's a good balanced tight end. He's going to do whatever okay. you need him to do. Uh, and then guys I mentioned like Bryson Nesbitt and Dallin Holker, those are athletic, athletic, more receiving kind of guys. Okay. Uh, but not as much to talk about in the tight ends class. It's a little it's a little lackluster class compared to last year with Laporta, Musgrave, Kraft, um, Kincaid, Meyer, but. Uh, I mean, you can find some guys in here, right? Uh, moving on to the tackles. Uh, this is probably the deepest class of tackles I've ever seen. I mean, okay. there's 10, 11 guys that you could you could make an argument for going in the first round. Um, so that's just how deep this class is. Uh, so... Um some people say that, and especially with this class being deep, yeah. say, obviously, tackle is one of the more important positions in the game. Right. So say you needed, say you're the Giants and you need um, a bunch of things uh, defensive-wise, uh, you need playmakers. Yep. Are you worried about... Drafting a tackle in round two compared to round three, meaning that would you put that much thought into it, saying I'm going to wait on a tackle 
and try and get one round three, would you be worried that there's not going to be any talent left in round three? I mean, there will definitely, definitely be talent left in round three. Uh, so, so let's run through it. Let's run through it and see who, with that specific scenario, we'll jump into that. Okay. Uh, Joe Alt from Notre Dame is my number one. Uh, can't go wrong with Notre Dame tackles. Right. Again. Uh, number two, Olu Fashana from Penn State. He's slipping a bit. He opened up as my one. Uh, but his experience scares me. He, he has not played a lot. Uh, he had a rough Ohio State game. He's on the ground way too much. Okay. Uh, so when I was looking at it, I had to mark on the ground way too often. Okay. When looking at this film. Uh, three, Talese Fuaga from Oregon State. This is your aggressive, this is your aggressive mean dude. Um, he's been one of the biggest risers over the past two months. Okay. Uh, four, J.C. Latham from Alabama. Fifth, Marius Mims from Georgia. And then to show you how deep this class is, I'll give you a handful of guys that I think are all in the conversation. We got Jordan Morgan from Arizona, Patrick Paul from Houston, Troy Faltanu from Washington, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, Graham Barton from Duke, Kingsley Suamataya, I hope I'm saying that right, from BYU. Uh, and then you could throw guys like Christian Jones from Texas, Zion Nelson from Miami. Uh, but like there's a deep, deep class. So I'm expecting these five guys to go within the top, I would say top 20 picks. So you're sitting there with the Giants, right? Right. At, and you're, you're talking about their second and third round picks. Uh, so let's say, what do the Giants need most, right? They're going to take a receiver sixth. Right. Um, then they have two seconds. So their first, second, 39th overall, I believe they would take that's that could be where they take it. Uh, uh, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of talent left. You're looking at a guy like Graham Barton might be available then. Patrick Paul might be available then. I would say, and those are good, good, good talent guys. Um, but let's say you waited until the third round, right? Right. And let's go to the bottom. Uh, Javon Foster from Missouri, good guy. Matt Goncabs from Pittsburgh. He's a little bit of a sleeper guy I would look for. Uh, and then the guy from Yale, Kieran. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the last name. You can go do it for yourself. Uh, but he, he's a guy to look for. Uh, I would say that these guys are going to get taken off the board quick, though. Okay. Um, there's going to be a run on tackles early, and I think it's going to last all the way until the third round. Uh, so if I were the Giants, I would use one of their second rounders on a tackle if, if that's where they they need the most. Right, and I'm hearing high praise for Joe Alt yep. lately. So give me a rundown of where that comes from in your opinion. Yeah, so Joe Alt is, uh, I mean, he has excellent first step movement. So he's going to be off the off the line the quickest. He just looks fluid in his, in his stance, uh, getting in and out of it. Finishes strong every play, plays through the whistle. So he's got a high motor, and that's obviously a green flag there. Okay. Uh, he, he's not as strong as some of the other guys, just in pure strength. Uh, so I would say he's not going to bench more than anyone there at the combine. Right. But you got to remember that strength isn't the same as field strength. So. I was about to say, there's big controversy with that. Um, the 225 bench, however many times they can do it. Yeah. With that measure of strength. Yeah, it's a little flawed measure because I don't think field strength is near the same. Right. Getting guys off the ball right. is a lot different. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Joel has any problem with that. Okay. Um, but, yeah, just in p terms of pure overall strength, I think he's not going to be as strong as guys like uh, Fashanu or Fuaga. Or even Latham, but um, let me ask you this: What's the highest you could see Joe Alt going in this draft class? Uh, I think, see, uh, let's say let's say the Commanders figure out their QB situation somehow in the offseason. They don't select. I, I think you go there. At at two at two at two overall. I mean, if they figure out their quarterback and they don't need a quarterback, Sam Howell was sacked the most times of anyone. Yeah, anyone last year. So. They're going to need some help up there for whoever's under center, whoever they decide that be. Uh, but realistically, um, I would probably say 
seven to Tennessee seems likely, five to the Chargers maybe. The Chargers kind of kind of a question mark right now. Okay. Uh, they could shake up the draft if they did that. But yeah, so I would put him. I mean, I wouldn't put him out of the top eight. I don't think he slides that far. If Joe Alt doesn't get selected in the first round, is your mind blown? If Joe Alt's not selected in the top eight, my mind is blown. So yeah, out of the first round, I don't think that there's even a chance of that. I think okay. he slips to past ten. Someone trades up for him. Okay. So high praise for Joe Alt at yeah, the tackle I mean, he position. Yeah, my fourth overall prospect. So. So I do have some some high praise for him. Okay. Uh, all right, moving on to interior offensive line. We have Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon. Uh, and right below him, uh, Zach Fraser, Fraser from West Virginia. Uh, and then three, four, and five, I think, are all scrambled again. Three bring Christian Haynes from UConn. Not often we see a UConn guy in the draft. Uh, Cooper Beebe from Kansas State. And then fifth, uh, I would say Dominic Pooney from Kansas. He's had a good couple of weeks to increase his stock up there. Uh, but Jackson Powers Johnson, he had a good senior bowl. I think he submitted himself in that top spot, it seems. The only guy I would say could challenge that would be Christian, sorry, Zach Frazier from West Virginia. Um, okay. He has a good wrestling background, so that's something you look for in, in a center. Right. Uh, but... The interior line, you don't you're not gonna see a bunch of these guys go first round. I think the only one that does is Powers Johnson. I think he goes mid twenties, early twenties. So you don't see these guys fly off the board. Right. Um, and there's not there's not a ton in this class. I wouldn't say it's a deep class by any means. I would say it's those top five guys really. Uh, if you wanted other names, Zach Zinner from Michigan. Um, Cedric Van Pran from Georgia. There's just a few names. Um, but, yeah, interior offensive line isn't the most flashy group of guys that right. you're going to get to look at. Um, so that's all I have on them. Um, moving on to the edge rushers. This was a little this is a little shaken up from how it started. Uh, I opened up with Jared versus my top guy. Okay. Um, but now it's... Now it's Dallas Turner, and I'll get to why. Uh, number, so number one, Dallas Turner from Alabama. Uh, two is Jared Verse from Florida State. Three is Chop Robinson from Penn State. Uh, four is Laotu Latu from UCLA. And fifth is Braylon Trice from Washington. Um, I'm not sold on that, that pick at five. That guy, uh, if you want another name, Mohamed Kamara from Colorado State and Adisa Isaac from Penn State. These are guys you can throw in there. Okay, and so you said Chop Robinson at three? Yeah, I'm in the third. So is he a riser from – did you have uh, that same prediction, say, a year ago? Uh, Yeah, kind of. Um, I wouldn't say he's a riser. I think he's a riser on my board, if anything. Okay. You're not going to see him, I don't think, that high on anyone else's board. I mean, I had him at my number 10 prospect overall. You're not going to see him near that high on anyone else's. So he's kind okay. of one of my, one of my guys I, I, I believe in. But he's still the third in the edge rusher. So this is a good class for edge rushers. Right. I was about to say, so I, same with tackles. Is this class for edge rushers deep? Uh, I wouldn't say it's as deep because there's certainly a drop-off from four to five. But there's some guys you can find in later rounds that are going to do the job. Okay. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I have Dallas Turner at my one. I think that's probably going to be the consensus. Okay. So when you look at a guy like um, Latu and Chop, they're going to be your fluid guys that can bend, get around the edge real quick. Uh, right. Those are your speedy kind of guys. Jared Verse is kind of going to be your aggressive, uh, power-oriented guy that's going to just power through the lines. And then Dallas Turner is kind of your best of both worlds. Okay. So he's the more versatile player. He can do both things, uh, and he can play. He can play off ball too. So, so he's definitely uh, the more versatile guy there. Uh, and then, like I said, Braylon Trice from Washington at five. I think there's a gap between him and the top four. So we talk about tiers a lot. He would right. Be, he would be on a separate tier. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a deep 
I think it's a good class. I don't think it's the best that we've seen. Uh, but if you want some value in the later rounds, they're definitely there. Guys like Marshawn Neeland is a guy I really like from Western Michigan. He had a good pro day. Or, sorry, senior bowl. Uh, Javon Solomon from Troy is a guy to look out for. Gabriel Murphy from UCLA. Xavier Thomas from Clemson are all guys that I would keep an eye on. So how many of those guys do you are getting taken in the first round? Dallas Turner, obviously uh, one of those dudes. Like you said, best of both worlds. I think he's obvious first rounder. Uh, Jared Verse, yeah. first rounder. Give me your thoughts on how far that list goes down of first-rounder, first-rounder. Uh, right, so I would see Dallas Turner. I would see him top 12 pick, top okay. 13. Uh, Jared Verse, uh, maybe a little bit after that in that same range, though, around 11 to 15, 16, 17. Okay. Uh, Chop. Chop's going to be the back end of the first, I would think. Um Maybe to a team like Houston at 23, I could see. 19 to the Rams, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, Latu's going to be earlier than Chop. Latu's going to be around 11 in Minnesota, 15 to 11 to 15. Again, I think all these all these edge rushers are kind of in the same zone for the first round, at least the top four. Uh, and then, like, you're going to see Latu above a lot of these guys. On, I'm just not as high on Latu as most people. Okay. Um, and then Braylon Trice at five. Uh, you might, see, I mean, he's borderline round one. You might see him at the back end, like the last five or six picks. But I wouldn't say so. I'd say probably beginning of the second round is where I would see him go. Uh, so I'd say about, there's probably four guys that I would say go in the first round from the edge rusher group. Uh, but I think quite a few go in the second round. I think. All the guys that don't go in the first, uh, all the top guys that don't go in the first will for sure go early in the second. Right. So that's where I would throw those guys in at. All right, moving on to our interior defensive line. Uh, first, I have Byron Murphy from Texas, Jazon Newton from Illinois, Tavondre Sweat from Texas, so two Texas guys in the top three, wow. uh, Darius Robinson from Missouri, and Chris Jenkins from Michigan. Uh, Byron Murphy's a, one of the biggest risers. He's just run well at the combine. Excited to see him. Uh, Jordan Newton is kind of a bigger dude. Uh, he's good with his hand movement. He's a trade-up power guy. Uh, Tavondre Sweat as well is a bigger dude. He he needs to test well. He he might be too big, and there's some concern there. He might be too big to move at a high enough level. Right. Uh, so he's a guy to look out for, but still, I mean, his power is, is outstanding. So. Darius Robinson, uh, he had a good senior bowl. He's risen up some boards lately. Uh, he's a high riser as well. And then Chris Jenkins, uh, he's a bloodline. His dad was in the NFL. Can't go wrong with that there at five. Um, I think, unlike the other ones, this is kind of set right now. I don't think there's any shaking up to do for these guys. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's all that needs to be said about the interior D-line. Uh, moving on to our linebackers. Uh, this is a little confusing class. I don't expect any of these guys to go in the first round Kay. as of right now. But if any of them did, it'd be my first guy on the list, Edgerin Cooper from Texas A&M. He's a real fun player to watch. Um, covers a lot of ground in a hurry. Uh, two would be Cedric Gray from North Carolina. He had a great senior bowl again. Uh, three, I'd put Peyton Wilson from NC State. He plays with a lot of energy. So this is your guy that's going to be, he's going to be near the ball in every play. Right. So if there's a tackle, he's going to be near it. Uh, and then fourth, Junior Colson from Michigan. And fifth, Jeremiah Trotter from Clemson. Uh, there's, this is going to shake up um, depending on the pro days and the combine. So it's going to flesh out some of these guys. Okay. And with uh, linebackers, yeah, I, I, I believe in a fast linebacker is a – Good linebacker if yes. he has all so the other tools. That's going to be your your Peyton Wilson and Edrin Cooper guys. They're the guys that are going to kind of traffic cop this Okay. Thing. So they're going to be all over the field. So speed plays a big factor in this year's draft class with linebackers, would you say, or is it pretty even? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think the top guys all you got to have good speed to be a linebacker. I don't think right. You got to be near the ball on every play, and those guys those guys are. 
Okay. Uh, moving on, safeties. Safeties uh, are, in my opinion, a little disappointing this year. I think the top five can be in any order, but after that, I would say it's it's a definite drop off. Uh, so one, I have Tyler Newbin from Minnesota. Two, Cameron Kinchins from Miami. Three, Kalen Bullock from USC. Four, Javon Bullard from Georgia, and five, James Williams from Miami. So two, Miami safeties in the top five again. Okay. Um, I think there's some other names if you wanted them. Jaden Hicks from Washington State and Cole Bishop from Utah. Uh, but for the most part, I think these top five guys have a tier of their own above those other guys. And the safeties will flush out more as we get along, along the process. Uh, and then the best for last, we have the cornerback class. Now this list has, has changed the most of any of the lists we have so far. So okay, uh, a little preface to this. Uh, we began, I began this list with Kaylin King as my one, as my first overall corner on the list. Okay. Uh, and he has done nothing, nothing to help his stock. Uh, he had a bad senior bowl. Disappointing 23 season compared to his 2022. Uh, I mean, 20 in his senior bowl, he looked sloppy. He didn't win the one-on-ones. So I put him at right. around eight or nine right now. Um, maybe maybe testing can bring him back up, but he's a little undersized as well. So there's not not much in his favor right now to help his stock. Uh, but anyway, number one, I have Terry and Arnold from Alabama. Uh, he's about my ninth overall prospect. Two, Quinion Mitchell from Toledo. That guy will be in my top 10 prospects next one. Uh, he's going to run incredibly well. He's going to run in the four twos, I think. Wow. So, uh, Quinion Mitchell's also your ultra aggressive guy that you're going to want on your team. I mean, any guy would be lucky to have these two on his team. Um, and I think those two guys are a tier above everyone else. Uh, three, Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama. Originally had him above Arnold, but... As more you watch Arnold, you can't help but put him above McKinstry. He, I mean, he's just, he's a better athlete. Okay. Um, for Cooper DeGene from Iowa, uh, first white corner we've seen in a while. Right. I can't remember a time I saw a white cornerback in the NFL. I mean, well, so, and what's crazy to me is that he's expected to come out there and be a dude. Yeah. I mean, he, he might play safety. He's one of your, he's, he's real versatile. So, some teams probably have him listed as safety. Right. And he would be far and above the best safety in the class if he was considered a safety. Uh, <clears throat> right now I have him as my fourth cornerback. But, yeah, he's a first-round guy for sure. Um, he's going to be good. And then fifth, Nate Wiggins from Clemson. Uh, his location is going to vary from board to board. Some have him as a top two guy. Some have him around six to seven. Uh, he's a good balanced player. He's your guy that has every tool. Uh, he's, he doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, but he can he can do it all. He's going to be a good balanced corner for you. Right. So let me ask you this. Yeah. I love a corner who will come bring the hat, meaning that they're going to come. They don't have a problem with, you know, getting downhill and making a tackle. Oh, that's going to be your Quinnon Mitchell right there. Okay. Uh, I, he's probably one of my favorite prospects in the entire class. Uh, the last 50 I had, I think he was 15. Uh, he's going to be top 10 in the next one, I'm just telling you now. Uh, and that will come out soon enough. And so uh, let me ask another uh, big part of cornerbacks. Who has the best ball skills, like tracking, catching? Um, uh, yeah, I would have to say I would have to say Arnold. Arnold has – Arnold's – I mean, you look at his production at Alabama, and there's no doubt in his, his ability to create turnovers. Uh but aside from him, Cooper DeGene, I mean, he had, I think, three pick sixes, so right, he's going to be able to get to the ball regardless. That brings in that safety kind of play. Yeah. Um, so you hold Arnold above Kool-Aid. Yeah. Let's get Kool-Aid. What a name. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome, dude. I mean, I honestly, yeah. that boosts his draft stock just right there. Yeah, if you name, if you name your kid Kool-Aid, you can expect this. They love Cooley, man. So, out of two top five cornerbacks coming out of Alabama. Yeah, two top three. Which one? Top three? 
I mean, I have Albert or Arnold at one and McKinstry at three, so yeah. Okay, so which one of those do you think got targeted more, and did that affect um, their draft stock? Yeah, so I had this originally. I think back in back in January, I wrote an article that was which receiver or which corner is better, Arnold or McKinstry, and in that my argument was for McKinstry. And saying that Arnold got targeted more? Saying Arnold was targeted more, so that's... So McKinstry must have been locked down, right? Right, and then it gives Arnold more chances to but, showcase his skills. Right, but... And, I mean, you can still lean into that, I guess, but... I mean, the more you just watch Arnold and you see his movement... Yeah. It's... You just can't... I don't... I, don't think, I think he's the best quarterback in the, in the draft. I don't think he has any weaknesses... It, they're hard to find if you're going to look for him. Uh, but McKinstry hasn't also done anything to really help his draft stock yet. Okay. Um, he didn't have a great game against Texas. If you're going to look at it, if you're going to pick out a game for him, yeah. Uh, he didn't have a great game there. But that's that's why I kind of switched up and put Arnold over McKinstry. I just kind of dove into him more, and then okay. I think McKinstry might have more weaknesses than Arnold. I don't think or I've have, I've struggled to find weaknesses on that. Right. And so talking about size, Cooper DeGene, uh, what's his safety build? Um, who has the best build for a cornerback in this draft? Uh yeah. Um I mean Are Kool Aid and Arnold relative in their frame? Kool Aid and Arnold? Uh I think Kool Aid is Maybe a little bit bigger, maybe an inch taller. Um, I think they're around the same weight, though. So I think they're about the same. I think I would probably give it to those guys. They're about six one, one ninety five. Right. Uh, I mean, that's a good frame for a corner. Uh, Nate Wiggins, I think, is a little bit taller, but I think he's a little bit uh, lighter too. Right. So and so does the same thing. We were talking about receivers earlier, and we were saying. How much does size play a factor? And you brought up the size to speed ratio. Is that yeah. kind of the same thing with the yeah, quarterbacks? Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, so if you got uh, speed is probably the most important thing for corners. I think the right. forty is the most important aspect of the combine for them. So if we got a, if you have a four, four receiver with a four, four corner lined up on him, you're good. Right. If you throw a four three receiver in there with a four five corner, you, there's you got a problem. problem. Yeah. So, the faster that your corners are, obviously, I think the better. Um, okay. It's just, uh, I don't think it's much more of a problem as it is receivers with speed to size ratio. Uh, I think lengthy corners are good, and those tend to be the lighter guys. Okay. I like Wiggins is a, is a good lengthy corner. So, um, speed, we're focusing on speed for cornerbacks, for DBs. Right. A little yeah, bit yeah. more than receivers, okay. Uh, but, yeah, so... Speed is, I think, obviously when you go and it comes to the combine, the 40 is the most important for corners and their speed. Uh, but that wraps up my top my top five. Um, and all right, now we're gonna jump into something a little bit a little bit different from that. Uh, we're gonna look back at the 2023 draft classes and assess how they did. Uh, through their first year. So we're going to regrade some of the 2023 classes. Uh, we're going to start today with the NFC East. So uh, jumping right into it, we'll start with the Giants. Uh, some notable picks include Deontay Banks, Jalen Hyatt, John Michael Schmitz, and Eric Gray, the running back. Uh, so when looking at that, who, who immediately stands out to you? As, um, a as a Giants fan, okay, um, I'm going to have to go with our first-round pick, Deontay Banks. Yeah. Um, I think he did a good job, obviously. Uh, I think cornerback is one of those positions. It's hard to just jump in right. and be great and be good. So, But I think um, he's still needing to get used to some of the rules and the style of play uh, in the pros. But I think he showed promise at times, and I think he has the talent. And he has some motor to be good. Yeah, and then we talked about Jalen Hyatt. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe with a quarterback situation figured out, he can step up. Right. 
Uh, he's also he also showed promise, and then again, how we were talking about him, he's a speedster, so he's not one of those guys that you're gonna see, you know, yeah. every possession make something happen. Right. Uh, and then the last two, the last two were guys I was I was a little bit higher on and have been a little disappointing. Uh, that being John Michael Schmitz and Eric Gray, uh, I thought I thought they would have been better than they did so far, but um, I mean. Maybe their time is coming. So right, and then John Michael Smiths also uh, with his injury. Yeah, I want to see how you know that pans out, and is he going to be one of those guys who were you know worried about every year getting injured, or is this kind of just a one-time yeah. thing and he comes back a better player? So if you had to get a, give a letter grade to the Giants, what would you say? Round of, I would. I mean, I'm leaning towards maybe a B minus. Yeah, somewhere in that range, C plus B minus seems seems right. Nothing jumps out saying yeah. this guy's a dude and he's a total game changer. Um, but nothing also is, you know, well, saying what the heck are they doing. I think it's probably one of the better ones in the NFC East because moving on, we have the Commanders. Uh, the notable picks include Emmanuel Forbes, Jartavius Martin, Chris Rodriguez, the running back uh, from Kentucky, and Ricky Stromberg. Uh, now this Emmanuel Forbes didn't pan out like they wanted. So right, there was high praise for Emmanuel coming into the draft. Um, Jartavius Martin, I think, is probably one of the better picks on that list. But I'm I'm sitting at like maybe a D D minus. Okay. I mean, this isn't like a great class of guys that they got here. Right. Uh, but like I said. Year one, uh, maybe Forbes needs a year to develop, right? Um, and maybe he can he can break out next year. But I mean, we're not we're not even to the worst of it because coming up we got the, we got the Cowboys, Mozzie Smith, baby, with Mozzie Smith, Eric Scott Jr., Jalen Brooks, Luke Schoonmaker, and Deuce Vaughn are some guys that they picked up in the draft. Uh, and I think Mozzie Smith, you could argue, was the was the worst <laughs> first round pick. So. Oh, that was uh, funny. Mozzie Smith might be up there. Maybe Tyree Wilson for Las Vegas just because they spent, what, like the ninth overall on him, something around there, six, seven, something like that. Um, Would it be dumb to say Deuce Vaughn is probably one of the guys that's most impacted the Cowboys play out of that draft? Uh, out of that group of guys, I would say Eric Scott. Eric Scott Jr., but... I mean, it's, it's a bad class. It's just, it's bad all over the board. I'm, I'm just going to give them an F. Okay. There um, you go. Failed. Get out of here. I don't think that they, there's any even like redeeming. Love the Deuce Vaughn pick, though, and a bunch of Cowboys fans do as well. I mean, I went to a game, Cowboys versus Giants, and every time he stepped on the field, all you heard was Deuce. So I think they love Deuce Vaughn. So um, I'm going to give him the best out of that class right there. Uh, and then moving on to the best in the class, we have the Eagles, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Sidney Brown, uh, it's been promising as a safety, and then Keely Ringo from Georgia uh, also might need a year to develop as a corner, but he might be a solid pick. Right, I think the first two names you say kind of. Yeah, Nolan Smith a little disappointing is what we were expecting, but still I think uh, I think he'll be better in the years to come. And then Jalen Carter, obviously, defensive rookie of the year candidate there, so. Right. Um, not a lot to complain about if you're an Eagles fan. So, I would give them A minus B plus around okay. that range. Yeah, I'm leaning towards A. Uh, yeah. So, A minus to A for the Eagles, and then uh, Giants coming in second in the NFC East. Commanders third. Cowboys with an F, <laughs> uh, taking the rear there. Uh, and then moving on, uh, we're gonna jump into. Building blocks uh, for if you're building a team, what are the most essential positions that you can have for that team? Uh, so I talked about this a little bit, a little bit li- uh, before the podcast, but I gave I gave David uh, about six six guys that you need, uh, and these are the most important components if you want a, a championship type team. Uh, first of which being a quarterback, got to have a guy that can. Get the ball out. Right. You need a captain on the field, no doubt. Uh, a tackle. You need a tackle on either side. 
you're not going to win if your guys, if your quarterback's running for his life every play. Correct. Uh, preferably his blind side. Uh, protect that. Uh, then you're going to need two offensive playmakers, and that can come in whatever, whatever aspect you're looking for. So, two receivers, a receiver to tight end, a running back to tight end, running back receiver, whatever. Just two guys who can make plays. Uh, you're going to need an edge rusher. Uh, someone can put pressure on the quarterback, the opposing team, and then a cornerback. You're going to need a solid, solid corner to throw back there that can lock up uh, your opponent's one. So, right. uh, looking at the NFC East again, uh, which of these guys kind of fit that those components? Which of these teams has pretty much all of that? Which teams have checked the most boxes in that category? Um, I think it'd be dumb to say the Eagles have it. I think it's the Eagles without a doubt. Um, yeah. Jalen Hurts, top quarterback in the league. Um, their tackles position is yeah. I mean, we know great. Lane Johnson, Jordan Mulata. Eagles um, have a good, good line there. Uh, good line. Playmakers, there's no doubt. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith is coming to that role. Um, right. DeAndre Swift, if you want to throw him in there. Correct. Edge rusher, Hassan Reddick, stepped up. He's great. Um, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. And um, then uh, cornerback, Darius Saleh, has been. James Bradbury, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they checked the most boxes, and I mean, it shows. Uh, Yeah, Um, and then you could look at the Cowboys as well. Uh, If you think Dak is that guy, then there's your quarterback. Right. they have they, they have, have the line. One of the best playmakers in the NFL right now. Uh, they got CD as a playmaker. Right. Um, Tony Pollard hasn't been. He hasn't filled that role like we thought he would. So who would be that second that second playmaker that they got? For the Cowboys, Tony Pollard, like you said, didn't really show much this past year. That's you could, tough. You could throw um, uh, Jake. I mean, Jake Ferguson's not a bad pick. I mean, he yep. gets in place. Uh, but I think, I think the Cowboys are lacking another one more playmaker. One more playmaker. I think that's what they need the yeah. most. Uh, you could, I mean, you could argue Brandon Cooks. He had a solid year, but correct. Uh, uh, their line. No one jumps out at you. Yeah, it's good. Right. Uh, defense. Uh, Sir Edge Rusher. So one of the best in the game. They correct. That solves. And then their cornerback. Uh, I'm not sold on Deron Bland or Trayvon Diggs, but whatever. They're, they're right. But their numbers their show numbers otherwise. Show, right. So I think the Cowboys are the second on that list. Um, I think quarterback for them is probably, I would say, you need that more than that playmaker. Because yeah. obviously Dak ain't cutting it. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, if you, if so I think if they check that box, that their team can turn I, around. I think that they're lacking that that elite guy there. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then the Giants, uh, they definitely have some roles to fill there. I don't think Correct. they have their guy under center. Um, they have their tackles though. I feel like. Uh, yes. What are your What are your thoughts on Evan Neal? Uh, I was high on Evan Neal coming out. But then some would say that, you know, tackle is also one of those positions that takes time to, you know, adjust and get used to that stuff. Yeah, I think think there's something coming for him. Um, Obviously, Andrew Thomas on the other side. Andrew Thomas is another guy that looks promising. But one of them might get kicked inside this year if they draft an offensive lineman. Right. Dealing with injuries this past year, but was one of those. There's some promise there at tackle. Uh, Two offensive playmakers. You obviously have Saquon. And right. they're lacking. They're lacking that department. Uh, they need yeah. another one there. Lacking in the receiver department, and probably after this year, lacking in the running back department. Yeah, and if Saquon's gone, then they're back to zero playmakers. On right. Uh, edge rusher. Uh, yeah, Thibodeau. I think he's got it solved. Right. There, he's got it figured and out. And you got Lawrence. He's one yeah. of the best uh, interior defense linemen in the game right now. Yeah. So there's there's some guys helping there, uh, and then cornerback. Um, I mean, like we said, Banks is might come along this next year. Um, right. Yeah, Banks. I mean, that's. But we got you just got to hope if you're a Giants. Fan. Right, and that's yeah. your. I mean, honestly, that's your one. That cornerback. That's the guy. So you're the Giants don't have it completely figured out. Not as much as the other two, but uh, they have some pieces there. Uh, right. And then, last, the Commanders. Um, 
Their quarterback situation is a little bit foggy. We expect them to take one second overall to solve that. Uh, their tackles, they can solve that. Uh, they're lacking in that department. Two offensive playmakers. Uh, no one jumps out of you. Terry McLaurin's kind of taking a back seat, I feel like. Right. Um, <coughs> Johan Dotson, Brian Robinson, they're not – no, no elite guys. Yeah, you there. could say they're lacking in that department as well. And uh, then, and then edge rusher. I mean, they, they just, just gave up Chase Young for that third just round. Just dealt all their pieces. So they have a bunch of. They have the most work to do. I don't know if there's a spot out of those things that the Commanders have solved efficiently and effectively as anyone else. Right. Um, but yeah, that wraps up the NFC East. Uh, we'll be back and we'll do. We'll hit up another division. Uh, later in the week. All right, well, that's all we got for today. Uh, I'm going to put a poll out on the Instagram, and we're going to get some questions from you guys and answer them in the next podcast. Uh, so answer, ask any of your draft-related questions, and we'll give you an answer in the next podcast. But uh, head over to Instagram, at Case Draft Room, to submit your questions that we can answer. Uh, you got anything else? Until next time. <laughs>